Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Roscoe is my name, your co-host, and uh, joined once again by Jamie Glazier up there in the Gold Coast, Queensland. How are you, Jamie? Very well, Roscoe. Very well, thank you. It's good to catch up again. And we've got a special interview today. We've got a, a, a great uh, friend, professional golfer of mine. Oh, not a professional golfer of mine. Great friend of mine, professional golfer from the UK. A man that I met, when did we meet Mike? Mike Brown from the UK. How are you? Welcome. Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Good, mate. When did we meet? Back in 2019? Yeah, 2019 at the Australian Open, I think, wasn't it? At the Australian Open, the Pro-Am, when we, yeah. pl- when we played with uh, a young yeah. fellow who's gone on to do some uh, reasonable things on the professional uh, level, Min Woo Lee. Well, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty special day meeting you and a pretty special day playing for me playing with Min Woo Lee as well. But, um, mate, it's great to see you again. We've caught up a number of times and you've recently uh, been playing a bit of professional golf. Yeah, I've been flat out um, since since we come out of lockdown. It's been pretty trying to play catch up over here. So um, obviously I'm in the UK, so we haven't been able to travel much. But um, yeah, we're we I've been travelling over the UK and just finished the Irish, uh, the Welsh and Irish Open for the on the European tour. So um, just trying to get some stuff going, ready for the season next year because this year is pretty much sort of it's been a, a practice year this year. So that's yeah. how I've looked at it. Yes, well as as you know, since we met, you know, I've been catching up with each other and following each other. You know, you've hit as many golf many golf balls as anyone I know I've seen on Instagram into a net in your backyard. Um, it's great to see you back out playing professionally. It was awesome to see you on the TV. Now, you know, Irish Open. Were you at the Welsh, the Kazoo Open, as in Wales as well? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was Celtic Manor. That was um, that was such a hot week here. We uh, oh. we had that was like probably the hottest week we've had as well, and it was just. It was hard going because coming from England, we're, we've as you know, we've got pretty inclimatic climate and um, it's been pretty raining quite a lot this year. We haven't really had a summer yet. So we've had like probably a week or two of sun and then it's just the, the heavens have opened. And so it's been a really wet year. But um, it's typical because when we were in lockdown, it was the best summer we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's typical. We had months and months of sunshine and then come out of it and it just rains but but yeah that's that's the way it is over here so get used to it but but yeah the welsh was good that was at the celtic manor um so yeah i didn't really have my a game there but um in ireland it was a different story so yeah it was good now mate when when you when we start tell everyone you know you were playing golf on the in those two tour events some of the listeners may be familiar with you from the my love of golf podcast we've done an interview you know a year or so ago but yeah, a lot of people probably don't know your name in a professional golf sense. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, your involvement in those two events and, and the background there with that. Yeah, as people probably don't know, I'm, I'm a amputee, so I've got a, a left leg through knee amputation. Um, and then, yeah, so I took up golf in 2014 um, just through – I only took up golf solely for rehabilitation when I lost my leg. Um, and then literally fell in love with the game and it became golf is life then, you know. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I got my first handicap in July 14 and uh, turned professional in 2016. Of you know, so I just worked my butt off and I I used golf more like like when I took up golf, I had no intentions of it being anything other than fun and you know rehab. But then I sort of became half good at it, and then I just worked and worked and worked and got better. So. Um, yeah, I turned uh, professional. Apologies, Mike. I, I just need yeah. to I need to interrupt here. I just want to get a few things straight. 2014, you took up golf. Is that does that mean you hadn't really played prior to that? Yeah. Like never yeah. never played golf before or just sparing? N- never. No. It was a, it was a motor it was a professional motocross rider. And and yeah, a, was- and a military serviceman. Yeah, so that was my, my 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 role. I was like, just motocross was my life. Like golf is now, was, was motocross before. So, right. yeah, I was doing a lot of a lot of motocross throughout the, the world, really, or well, Europe mainly. But I did race all over the world. Um, yeah, so that was pretty much what I did. Do you think? Do you think taking up golf after losing your leg was that? I when I say. How different would that have been if you were a golfer prior, lost your leg, and then come back to the game? Do you think it helped you to, to it, well, have a fresh start? Yeah, because it's all I it's all I knew really, so it didn't really make any difference to me as to how I stood or what I did, how I swung, or anything. It just it just formed yeah. as an amputee. That yeah. that sort of helped me in that aspect of of where I was, you know. So I just picked up a club and started swinging and see what happens, really. And then yeah, I went from there. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was a, a, a good, like, I just used it as, like I said, I used it as a rehab. So yeah. when I was getting up in the morning before I was, I didn't have a purpose. And, you know, I was coming in and out of the hospital. I didn't have anything in my life. And, um, like I hadn't left the house for probably, I don't know, five or six months at this stage. So I was, um, in a re- rehabilitation center and I just seen, a flyer for it on the wall for uh, a charity called the Oncourse Foundation, which helps wounded Indian sick servicemen rehabilitate through golf. And I just thought, you know what, I've got no, I've lost all my sport, like my motocross days, my rugby football was, was done, you know. So I, and I've always been sport orientated. So I knew I had to do something within the sport world. Otherwise, I'd probably go really mental. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, I just seen this flyer and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll I'll, I'll go. I was still in a, a what they call a Lizaroff frame at this time. Um, so if you can imagine five bicycle wheels, I had that going down my leg, um, and I had to adjust it a millimeter a day to to close my knee and because they rebroke my leg and I had to stretch it seven centimeters. Right. So I was still, in, um, and then yeah, I went and swung a club, absolutely useless, missed it, and I think I topped one about fifty yards, and that was about it. And then um, I had a, a, another operation after that. And then I came back and then I, that's when I sort of I fell in love with the game because I just hit one shot and I remember and it just went arrow straight and it was like, I, you know, I found something I could do and that, that sort of from then on became a purpose for me to get better. Yeah, I mean, and then to, to, to say that you turned pro two years later, I mean, 
I, I don't even know how to process that, Roscoe. That's um, well, sorry, mate. I, pro- I probably didn't give you. Uh, it was probably a good thing um, that I didn't give you all of the mice background because he got to share it with us himself, and uh, obviously it's had a had an impact on you. But um, yeah, he's amazing, an amazing man, a talented man, and uh, he gets to now apply his trade professionally as a golfer. I mean, I, I was lucky at the. Um, I think it was the Irish Open a couple of years ago. Um, trying to think, maybe two thousand and nineteen. They had the. Um, the disabled event on there, and it was unbelievable to see the quality of golf being played on a like two of the same exact same golf course as as the European tour. It wasn't the exact same golf course. It was like my God, these guys are phenomenal. So for Mike to be able to turn pro and compete at that level um, in such a short period of time is, as I said, I don't have words to process it. I'm not quite sure. Um, it's 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 phenomenal and makes me even more excited for the rest of this podcast. Well, well, Mike, just to and give everyone the background, yeah, you know, outside of you know you and I being you know becoming friends and uh, you know through meeting, um, you know staying in touch with each other, you know you had those two events back on tour. You know you're pretty open with your communication on how you are, how you're going, what you're up to. You know most of the stuff that you've just talked about. You know, I've seen the pictures that you, you know, just described, et cetera. You know, so you, you, you're a pretty open book. Um, after I think it was the Irish Open, you know, you, you made a comment about your mental game. As we as we just discussed, it was about 2 a.m. I just finished watching the golf and, you know, you'd posted something. I sent you a message, mate, let's just catch up and have a chat. Not really in regards to, you know, Jamie or anything like that, but it was just like, let's catch up. And as we said there before, you know, one of your sponsors, Paul McLean at Bushnell Golf, you've got this wonderful hat on. I wouldn't mind one of those hats, those Bushnell hats. They look pretty good. Um, by the time I woke up in the morning, had sent me a message saying, look, yeah, maybe we could talk to Jamie, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, this is all part yeah, of you know, getting on now. And, and um, yeah. you know, when you reflect on those two big events that you've just played in, yeah. you know, what what happened? Talk, talk us through those two events at Celtic Manor and then across to Galgorn Castle at Kelgon yeah, Castle, yeah. and we played another one called the Masuri or something, Masurace or something like that. Anyway, it was horses, but it was, um, there were two. One was like almost played Linksy, one was like Parkland. It was, yeah, it was really nice. So, what but, happened? Um, Talk us through. On the, so, on the Friday before Wales, I just I got some sort of bad news from a good friend of mine. Um, and that sort of it triggered, I think, something in me that's been coming for quite a while. Um, I mean, I've been struggling over the first few holes and, I, and it, it's just progressively been sort of getting worse um, throughout the, you know, what in tournament golf, it's been a, a current situation for me to be two or three over um, through the first three, four, five, six holes and from nowhere. And it's just, it's either whether I'm getting very anxious or I'm, thinking too much or I'm not thinking enough. I don't know where I am in that aspect of where it's going. But um, it's one of them things that I definitely need to address now rather than just carry on, you know, because there's something there that's – and then I, I've, it's almost like I was saying, I've got I've got nothing to lose before I start playing bad. And, I, and it, that's not how I want to play golf. I want to go from the get-go. I want to have that feeling of from the get-go. It's almost as if something needs to trigger in me, or or something like that, to, to get me going. So, it's interesting. Um, um, it's interesting, Mike, because uh, you know, with the new Mental Mastery Clubhouse, uh, the website, some of the online courses we have. One of the courses is the art of the pre-round routine, which basically it helps people to learn what state. 
they need to try and get themselves into prior to the first tee. So they're in the right frame of mind to to, to start well. Um, but also a lot of the listeners will, um, will be aware of uh, a thing that we talk a lot about, which is allowing yourself the freedom to fail. Yeah. In a round of golf, when you get to that point where you don't care anymore, so to speak, um, it's like you've actually already processed that today's not going to be the, a good day. Today's going to be a failure, so to speak. So once you've gotten through that hurdle of going, okay, it is what it is, then yeah. you've got the freedom to play well. And that is that, that allowing yourself the freedom to fail. If we can access that state of mind before the round of golf and learn to play with that freedom from the first tee, then we're all going to play better. So it's just cool to see that some of the stuff that you just spoke about, the listeners will be going, you know, almost like their mini mental performance coaches. I'll be like, oh, I think this could be this and this could yeah. be that because of what they've all gone through on the journey. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool yeah. to see. So, yeah, I mean, are these events like a little bit bigger than your normal event? Are you putting pressure on yourself to perform? Yeah. Like, But, like, it was it, – this is – I'll give you a prime example. So – the 18th hole in Ireland, I, I personally didn't know at this particular time that I had to birdie one of my last two holes to qualify for Dubai. I didn't know this. Yeah. And um, it's a par five at Golgon Castle finish. And like even the big guns on the on the European tour, they weren't going for this in two because it was surrounded with water um, and it was, it was like a really slopey, tiny green. And... I just stood behind it. I had an iron in my hand and I just thought, I've got nothing to lose. So I went back, took a three wood and I had two, I had 278 to the flag. And I just thought, I've got nothing to lose. And I probably hit the best shot I've ever played in my life. It, it carried to the front of the green, rolled around 10 feet behind the pin and I two-pied for birdie and that got me to Dubai. And I didn't know until the, the, the scorer come up behind me and said, you know, you just qualified. And I was like, what <laughs> I didn't know that. Now, um, obviously, I need to ask you the question: If you knew on the tee that you needed to make birdie to qualify, no. how differently would you have played the hole? Very different, very different. Yeah. Like that—that yeah. that was just that was just a committed, don't really care shot, and it was because I thought I was out of it. It was one of them. It was that was probably the freest swing I'd had for two weeks, you know, yeah. and it and it it went arrow straight right to my target, landed as perfect as perfect could be, and it just rolled around. Yeah, I missed the eagle putt, but I made birdie, and yeah, that was that was it, you know. Um, I'll go. I'll go back to the number, Roscoe. I think Mike said two seventy eight, but I wasn't sure whether he got the number wrong. No, no, <laughs> no, no, it, uh, no. He he trains very hard. This man he lifts a lot of lifts a lot of weights and you know puts a lot of pride in uh, his personal fitness. Um, no questions there, and you know having played alongside him, hits it a very long way. So um, no, that doesn't surprise me at all. And especially yeah, you know, I, I guess there was a fair bit of well, a, adrenaline or you know I'm not sure yeah. what you call it. There's yeah. a, there's well, a bit. I can't agree with that far, but that was definitely an, an adrenaline carefree shot and. Yeah, like I say, best shot I've ever hit in my life <laughs> when it counted, and that was the thing. Yeah, and you you said one word, Mike. That again, all the listeners will know 
we sort of talk a lot about from a pre-shot routine point of view, there's really only three principles that we work on in a pre-shot routine and, and golfers can navigate their way through these three principles any way they want, providing that they access these three principles and it's clarity, confidence, and then the last one, which is the Mac Daddy of them all, commitment. Yeah. Now, if we play committed golf, uh, good things are going to happen. Um, yeah. And they're not always going to be good things, but the quality of the poor things are going to be much better quality um, when, we're, when we're completely committed. So that's all we ever try to do, you know, in this game is, is try and get people to think about what is weighing them down, what, what is stopping them from being able to completely commit to the shot they want to hit, you know, through yeah. fear of failure and all the rest of those things that we sort of we attach ourselves to. So, um, again, it's just great for you to be able to express yourself and, and, and Roscoe and I think about, okay, well, there's the word commitment, which is, uh, which is yeah. great and it, it helps me to create clarity for the work that you and I are going to do moving forward in prep for Dubai and beyond. What are some of the things that, you know, Mike's saying that really stand out to help him play well? So that's um, – that's, that's like that, – that's the biggest part of me is like it's almost as if I've got two different games. So the, the, the first three, four, five, six holes, I'm 75% committed because I'm so worried. Now that's in my head. I'm so worried of making bogeys and, it, and it's the non-committal shot, the non – committed steery shots that's happening and then once i don't care i'm 100 percent committed and that's when i you know it it's almost as if i don't trust my swing on the first thing but obviously my swing doesn't change and it's it's almost that's how it feels and it's like yeah. i'm i'm trying not to mess up but it's going to make me mess up you know yeah yeah so if i asked you what percentage because as roscoe said you, you 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 train hard you practice hard you hit a lot of balls what percentage of your training would be specifically targeted on complete commitment to the shot you're going to hit with nothing else in the in the mix, just yeah. I'm going to hit this ball completely committed. So when, obviously, I practice um, on the range, I'm hitting balls, but then after it, I'll do nine holes in my head. Yeah. So I'll pick a course that I've played that I know really well. Yeah. And, and I'll play that course on the range and I'll try and be as correct yardage as from memory. Um as to what I shot, and then you know that's what that's how I try and learn how to commit to shots on a range. Great, that's good. I think that's um, yeah. You know, once we once we break down what are some of the key ingredients for your performance, we then set up a training program that builds those key elements to be the most dominant pattern uh, for you cognitively, yeah. especially. So um, so yeah, that's uh, I, I just I'm still like yeah, I'm. I'm Sorry, Roscoe, we probably should have chatted before and you should have filled me in a bit more with my Mike's story and just Mike in general. It's uh, fascinating. Mike, when, when you uh, two-putted for birdie in, in Ireland there and the scorer or whoever it was said, mate, that was a, bird, a great birdie, you know, you've qualified one of the top four. I think top four in in that bracket of tournaments uh, as part of the Edgar yep. series qualified for the, the race to Dubai. So, you know, what that means is you'll be playing in Dubai and the race to Dubai at the tour championship alongside all the other European tour and the world tour players that qualify for that. What did you feel? How did, how did that consume you? To be fair, I thought he was joking to start with because I didn't believe it because I just like, it, I just hit the best shot of my life. And it was, it, it was just surreal because that had just happened. And then, then to know that that shot was that important to me 
And it's just like, that's when I thought, right, this can't go on anymore. I need, I need to sort this out because I can play. I know how I can play and I know I can go low and this is hampering me now. So that, that all them sort of things come into one then. And I thought, yeah, I'm over the moon. I'm ecstatic. I couldn't really believe it. But on the other aspect, I was sort of, I was thinking, you know, all right, this is what now I know I need to sort this head at this head issue out because that could have, if I hadn't have birdied that, that wouldn't have been going to Dubai, mm. you know, and it, it's other shots that earlier in the round that I hadn't committed to in the first three, four, five holes again that would have put me in that position. So it was like I was over the moon and I lost for words, yeah. Mm. But in another aspect, I thought I thought to myself, it took the best shot of your life to qualify. And I don't want to really be in that position again. When you turned up, when you turned up for the the event, what was your, yeah, you know, what were your motivate? What was your motivation? What were your goals? You know, what what did you set yourself as the as um, as a priority? Obviously, I wanted to win, mm. uh, um, but I knew going in there on the back foot straight away with you know this head thing going on and stuff like that. So um, I was already self defeated before I got there. I think in, in you know. And that's not the way I am. I've never been like that in my life. Um, you know, I've always gone anywhere to do anything, no matter who's there. I want to win. I want to, you know, I'm here to win. I'm not here to become second. Mm. Uh, and that that's what's frustrated me is the fact that I'm turning up at these tour events with a C game, you know, and I don't, and I need to get my A game back. And that's, that's my priority now. Um, where results are just going to happen. I mean, it's not if, it's when. Well, you know, that that's my my sort of philosophy now. I know I'm good enough to, to win on a big stage. Um, it's not if, it's when. So, yeah. Well, you've competed and beaten and competed very, very um, effectively alongside, you know, the young man who's getting a lot of uh, coverage at the moment, Brendan Law, uh, world number one. You know, he, he, I haven't stopped seeing him since, uh, since then. But you've, you know, competed alongside Brendan and beaten him Lots, yeah, lots of that, times. It, yeah, I know that's and that's the weirdest thing, and I, this is why I don't know why this this head thing is whether I'm inside my own head making it worse or it is actually some issue in there that's stopping me, like like a wall that's up at the moment, um, and I just need to break that down. Um, well, I'm uh, I'm extremely excited to um, to start to sort of you know unpack all of that because. Uh, Something you said there again, just, you know, whether you are making something greater than what it is again, which is quite a normal cognitive pattern of ours. So, um, yeah, I, I know one thing is if someone is openly motivated to search for strategies to change some of their mental patterns, that uh, these mental patterns can change relatively quickly. So, um, even if you've been experiencing something for, you know, six months, 12 months, sometimes it doesn't take much just to create that small shift that um, can free you up and and get you playing the sort of golf that you know you're capable of so um yeah I'm, I'm, I'm super excited yeah I, I'm I'm very excited I can't like wait to get this going now I'm excited because I, I've got two people together that are going to do great work I can't wait to uh, to see uh, and, and eavesdrop in on the uh, the outputs what's next in your schedule of events uh, Mike um, I fly to Portugal um, on the twentieth. I've got um, I'm going down there to play in some you know, the European final. 
Um, and then I've come back and then I've got another Euro Pro event at Studley Wood. And then I'm going to jog off to America for three weeks training um, and get ready for get ready for Dubai then. That's my main goal now. Um, get everything sorted in my headspace. And that's, I've taken, not taken some time out, but I'm going to train with a purpose again rather than just training. Where do you go in the States? Where do you base yourself when you do that? Because you went last year, did you not? Did you, you went up to the PGA uh, show and then had a bit of a stint? So when I got back last, uh, 20, yeah, early 2020, because I got back from the PGA show and I played some tournaments over there as well and literally got back with three days to spare before we got put in lockdown. Mm. Uh, so I was a bit like, that's why I came back a little bit early um, because I'd have been stuck in America otherwise, I think, and I'd have been a bit bit done <laughs> Jamie, Jamie actually tells us a similar story about the same time you know he was driving with um, over there with Ryan Ruffles at the time and you know supposed to turn left on the under one highway and then end up turning right and going straight to the airport so he was pretty much the same um, yeah. where, where were you based yourself this time when you head back to the states uh, probably around the Orlando Tampa area yep got- I've got a few few friends over there that I, you know I can hook up with and just play golf and have a good time and just, you know, start playing some fun golf again. Because I put, like, I think Jamie hit on it earlier. I'm one of these that I put quite a lot of pressure on myself. And when I don't fill them goals, I sort of, I want to work harder and I want to work as hard as I can to get it out. And I'll do anything that I can to try and make myself better and, and make my golf better. So, yeah, I just got to have more fun. Yeah, I love it. And I think, again, the listeners will all know my, my equation for expectations and it's lower expectations and increased performance Yeah. or increased expectations and lower performance. And there's been multiple um, examples of that. Um, Herbie winning Dubai, that was the first week that we lowered expectation and tried to tick off a bunch of little building blocks and really a a top 40 was the first goal that week or over yep. the next few weeks. And then he goes and wins the event because he's just not so harsh on himself. He's not judging himself at such an intense level. It's just an unproductive cognitive environment for us to, to live in. And um, yeah, I love the word that you said before about going to Orlando, play some fun golf. Like all of this has to be fun with a bit of flexibility yeah. and a bit of room and space to breathe. Otherwise it just becomes a very stressful environment and, and, you know, we all know professional golf sounds glamorous and sounds beautiful, but we it's ridiculously difficult. Yeah, you don't see behind the lines of, like, everything that goes on with in touch with, you know, professional yeah. golf. So it, it's uh, all the people see is the TV and the glamour and the yeah. money. You yeah. know, it's not yeah. all. It's that very small percentage of, of golf. That's right, um, yeah, yeah. And I think too, it's it's interesting now. There's been more conversations come out around mental health and stress and pressure on athletes. And I think Beef, back in 1819, was you know the yeah. the first one that really spoke openly about it. He had a bit of a breakdown and took some time away from the game. And for someone like him who had been you know such a a massive figure in the world of golf and so successful, for him to have these. Um, you know, but but again, it's it's the better you do, the more you expect of yourself. You know, so yeah. um, well, I think it's for me. It's um, 
my my worst enemy in in myself is my my drive and my self-induced pressure yeah i put so self-induced pressure on myself and you know it's it, it's probably just i don't know from my military days or my motocross i don't know but i like but that will go back to the expectations and perform you know yeah. it'll be that that balance so i just need to work all this out where we are and where yeah. i am and if I can, if I can have a bit of a balance in life, then yeah. I'll be over the moon. So, yeah, yeah. I know. And the good, the good, the good thing about this too is, is, is what you're doing is, you know, you're running a marathon when it comes to your golf career. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a, it's not a sprint. You've got all this time to just, you know, slowly work through things in the background. But, um, yeah, I mean, Roscoe, I, I'm, I'm. I'm not going to catch up with Mike in the next few days to 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 do a do a Zoom session and maybe another time before he flies out for Portugal. But I mean, I would love to get Mike back on the podcast when he gets back from Portugal and just unpack what we what we went through as much as he's openly you know willing to discuss and then um, give the listeners some feedback on you applied some of these strategies in the event. How did it go? What did you notice? How did you feel? And uh, you know, not so much from a outcome point of view we're wanting to sort of see what behavioral changes did you notice what cognitive patterns did you notice that might have created that little bit of a shift in that first week or week and a half um we know that those outcomes may take a bit longer to uh to achieve but we want to see what sort of shifts you might have been able to achieve in that in that first sort of week or so but um yeah i think this is going to be awesome brilliant well I'm not sure. Do we need to uh, unpack too much more? We've got Mike's story. We've got a fair degree of insight into what his challenges are at the moment. We've got a commitment plan in place. I think uh, it's going to be a good journey ahead. Yeah, definitely. I'm forward to it. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, just great to introduce Mike to the listeners because they're probably going to hear a hell of a lot more of Mike and from Mike over the over the next few months. And um, yeah, my mind's already racing and racking with some ideas on how we can get Mike, you know, especially to the race to Dubai, but just, you know, in the Euro Pro events coming up as well, um, get him to feel like he's ready to go and compete and contend and, and, and ultimately if he puts himself in a chance to, 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 to possibly win, that he can step into that moment, um, you know, free of fear. So uh, uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for coming on, Mike, and really appreciate it. Hi, more than welcome. It's been great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. Yeah, you too. Mike, how do people uh, follow your journey if they're not already following you? Where do they where do they follow, catch up with you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm uh, Mike Brand Golf Twenty Four. I think Mike Brand Pro Golf Twenty Four. Um, and yeah, on Facebook as well, Mike Brand Golf. So uh, you've got a, you've got the best looking Bushnell golf hat that I've ever seen. It's a nice flat brim one. I like I like the fat brim, flat brim. Yeah. Ones. <laughs> they made and um, it's even got the old. Oh, the MB logo on the back? Oh, uh, the Mike Brown logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might have to. Uh, oh, yeah. They're a real get... deal. Hey, they're nice. Yeah. Um, any other sponsors that you need to give a shout out to? Because, you know, you can't, you can't be a professional golfer these days without sponsors. And I know you've got uh, a handful of um, people that yeah, support you. You know Rogers as well. So it's all you, Max, so Sketches, Bushnell, Mizuno, um, Max Golf Protein. Um, yeah, there's there's loads of them. And JT Lost or Holmes, they've. Uh, so a bloke called Jan Talensky, he's he's the one that really helps me out like financially. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do a lot without him, to be honest. So yeah, he's a he's a legend. Hey mate, you've motivated me. I was turning fifty to do some training. I've I've 
I haven't really Good, gone, I haven't even gone too much hard on the weights, but I've I, I did snap one of those rubbery band things that I was pulling the other day. So there must um, there must have been a little bit of pounds of pressure on there. You might need to hook me up with these Max Golf Protein people. I'm not sure if they've got an Australian people, but you might have to bloody send some out. <laughs> He's going to be He's ripped. A, oh, look at those! Look at those gunnages. Bang. <laughs> hey, Mike, it's great to catch up with you. Look forward to catching up with you very soon. And uh, for all the listeners, you know, share this episode, follow Mike's journey, tell everyone about the Mental Mastery Clubhouse. It's all good stuff ahead, and uh, I guess we'll catch up soon, eh? 100%, mate. Looking Look forward, forward to it. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.